best guy alive I'd fly you round the universe In Fireball XL5 Way out in space together Conquers of the sky My heart would be a fireball A fireball Every time I gazed into your starry eyes We take the path to Jupiter And maybe very soon We cruise along the Milky Way And land upon the moon To a wonderland of stardust We'd zoom our way to Mars My heart would be a fireball A fireball Cause you would be my Venus of the stars But though I'm not a spaceman, famous and renowned I'm just a guy that's down to earth with both feet on the ground It's all imagination, I'll never reach the skies My heart is still a fireball, a fireball Every time I gaze into your starry eyes And you're listening to Jello 1690 AM. This is the Onomatopoeia Show where we talk about all graphic arts all the time. And that was Barry Gray with the theme song to Fireball XL5. Um, I actually, when I was doing my research, discovered a really cool version by Ecstasy. It was like this sort of poppy dub version. <laughs> but I figured I'd stay true to what my guests desired. Uh, today's guests are not in studio. It's actually a pre-recorded interview like usual. And they are John Seven and Jaina Christie. Now, I first discovered these guys ages ago, but I thought I didn't realize they were who they were last year <laughs> when I found their stuff at the Mocha Fest um, because their style has changed so much from the comics that they used to do in the 90s. Now, they were maybe if you were like a fan of 90s indie comics like I was back in the day, you might have remembered Very Vicky, which was this kind of like cocktail swingers you know this really fey twee 50s girl in her adventures uh with her family and and friends and it like there was it was really fun sort of like in the way that dork is fun because you know with dork it's like a whole melange of stuff and it's just crammed in there and you know it's everything that evan dorkin loves so much and that's what uh very vicky was too but there was also like mystery in there too it was basically it was a fun lighthearted comic that i quite enjoyed but it was one of those black and whites that you're just like oh gee i I wonder what happened to that person oh well i guess they just uh, went on with their lives but then actually what ended up happening with john seven and jana christie is they decided to get more involved in doing kids books because jana went fully digital and she was able to maintain the style that she wanted and the textures and the look and she created these gorgeous kids comics whether other people were writing them or john was writing them for her there's a whole slew of them, and we're going to talk about them in just a minute. Uh, now, I think what we're going to do is... 
yeah, let's let's talk. Okay, well, the latest one they just released is called um, A Child's Guide to Anarchy. A rule is made to be broken. And it's actually really funny because when I was reading the book, I was kind of like, this book isn't really all that anarchist. <laughs> this book is just about raising proper citizens, you know, like, yeah, continue to support organic food growing or- organizations and share if you have extra and, you know, ask why, think for yourself, question authority. That's not, these are not bad things. But then one of the points that was brought up actually by John was that if you kind of look at it from a different perspective, I'm sure like the suits over on Wall Street would kind of consider all those attitudes very, very anarchist because they're not all that capitalist, I guess. But anyways, Coming from Canada, I guess we're just a little more open-minded to those sort of things. And I think that um, Anarchy's got a bad name when you put it on this book because this book is actually really fun for kids because it's just all about all the things that they can do and to give them sort of the, make them realize that they do have some power in the decisions that they make. And it's not all about mom and dad all the time. And they really should think for themselves. But anyways, you're listening to CJLO 1698. Um, We're going to do some ads and then we're going to go right into an interview with John Seven and Jana Christie. Uh, Let's see here. What ads are we going to play? I don't know. Actually, we're not going to do any ads. Let's just go into the interview. CJLO 1690 AM. I wanted to know, when did John first get into comics? When I was a little kid, like um, six, five or six, something like that. I think the earliest one I remember is a Spider-Man comic, and I think I bought it on a vacation in Hawaii. So that's my earliest comic memory. And did you like read it and knew that you wanted to write, or did you dabble in drawing a bit? Oh, I dabbled. <laughs> <laughs> I dabbled in drawing a lot, and I was bad at it. And um, but I, I, I have all those old. Comics I did, I just did hundreds, and uh, pretty awful. But I put them, I put them up on my Flickr page for the world to, to scoff at. Um, but I always was a, a, I always wrote when I was a kid. Um, it's kind of the only thing I've ever been able to do right. So. <laughs> and was it something that you did like to impress like your friends, or was it something that you just did with your close buddies, just for each other? Some of the, um, I had some friends that were into comics, too. I remember most of my friends were into war comics. Um, not so much superhero stuff, so superhero stuff, you know, wasn't really, like, a communal thing. But Sergeant Rock, (laughs) that kind of stuff, the losers, um, that was all stuff my friends were into, so... My next question is, at what point did you decide or realize that maybe you should stop drawing and focus on writing? Probably in my teen years. I still, I think when I was in high school, I kind of thought maybe I could I could turn this around and <laughs> actually do something. But I think my problem was I always wanted to, I wasn't really that influenced by undergrounds or, you know, there weren't a lot of indie comics around at the time. Where were you? Um, high school, I was in Georgia. So, and this was like 1981, 82. So, you know, Cerebus was sort of around, Fanographics, kind of, not always accessible in certain places, and I just didn't know a lot about it, so I was aiming for the very commercial kind of art styles and failing <laughs> miserably. <laughs> so, it was somewhere in the teenage years, I just said, screw that. And now you're totally focusing on writing, and I was wondering who were some of your influences as a writer? That's a hard one, but I, I, I do love Russell Hoban, who, um, he's written 
novels, he's written children's books, and two of the children's books of his that I love the most are about Captain Jork. What is the title, Janet? Captain Jork? And his hired sportsman. And his hired sportsman. And um, I like him a lot. Love the, the children's book writer, Arnold Lobel, um, who's just deep and intense, and, and uh, in a way a lot of writers aren't. Also, really funny and entertaining. Yeah. Too. And then, like comics, I always loved Dave Sim um, as a writer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one that comes to mind. Oh, Dan Klaus. Dan Klaus. Dan Klaus is a good one. Yeah, I mean, I, li- I like a lot of different writers. Like, I like in comics, say, I like Joe Sacco. Mm-hmm. You know, but he doesn't really inspire me to do much. Aren't you a newspaper editor in Massachusetts yeah. right now? <laughs> well, it makes sense that you would like Joe Sacco. Well, mostly I do arts writing. Okay. Stuff like that, like contemporary arts and stuff. I used to do, like, news reporting a decade ago, and that was fun, but it wasn't really my thing. So, yeah, now I mostly just cover contemporary art, you know, film and comics and music, that sort of stuff. All right, now on to Jenna. I wanted to know when you first started drawing. Oh, I've always drawn. My dad's an artist. And so he always made sure I had lots of paper. So I just always remember drawing uh, since I was was tiny. And I think I decided I wanted to be an artist when I was, I think I was like 12, and I saw an episode of Bewitched (laughs) an artist. And I can't remember, and I've been trying to track this episode down because it's, sort of like comes back to me every once in a while. So maybe I dreamed it, but I, <laughs> I thought there was an episode of Bewitched and there was an artist and for some reason it must have just been the age that I was at and what was going on in my life. And I thought, well, I can, that's actually a job. I can actually, that's actually a job I can do. So uh, from pretty early I did decide that that's what I wanted to, to do as my job. And did you have any formal training? classes in high school, and I also um, took some, not private, but group lessons at the local art museum on Saturday mornings. I did that a couple years uh, while I was in high school, and um, no other formal training. But you also had your dad, which is pretty awesome, because I'm sure, like, he also provided some education as well as encouragement. Oh, yeah. He's the one that gave me the present of the art classes and got me to and from them on Saturday mornings, which was really wonderful. And because I I was really shy, and so I don't think I would have thought to do that on my own. We we were always talking about technique, and he also would attend the same, not at the same time I was, but he was attending the same um, museum for classes, and so we had lots to talk about. And we still do. We talk every night, and he's working on a series of paintings while I'm working on a series of paintings for a book that I'm working on and we're always trading tips and, and trying to figure out how to make our make our art better. So besides your father, who would be some of your influences? My influences uh, are almost exclusively children's book illustrators. Um, I've always, always loved children's book art since I sort of rediscovered it as a nanny when I was my late teens, early 20s, and I'm, I just, I think there's some amazing art. Um, I love the old um, Goldman Books artists, Alison Martin Provenzen and, and uh, Richard Scarry. I also love uh, Giselle Potter, 
and Quentin Blake has been like a really, really big influence. I think yeah. it's amazing. Um, yeah, I, I love his looseness. It's just, it's so inspiring. And my natural tendency is to like tighten up way too much. And so I will look at some of his work and go, okay, that's right. Remember, you can be, you can be loose and you can use your lines and, and all that stuff. But yeah, he's been a huge influence. Now, when I first saw your work, it was in very Vicky, and it was heavy on the inks and very obviously black and white comics. But now you're doing, like, these full-fledged, full-color paintings. And I one, it's just a twofold question. Um, first of all, I was wondering what materials you were using and if you are working more with computers now. Yeah, I am I'm completely digital. All of, the, all of the work I do now is digital. It has been for the last... I think seven years. And was the transition hard? Um, not really. It was. It was. It was kind of a slow transition. I was doing children's books, and uh, I had to submit the art digitally. So I would have to take my great big paintings and scan them in pieces, and you know, kind of blend them together. And I would end up because I. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just sort of like patching them up. I would end up sort of doing digital work to sort of, you know, make sure that you couldn't see the seams in the painting. So I was learning that way. And then um, I bought a uh, Wacom Cintiq, which allowed me to actually use, uh, draw on the screen. Um, and I think that's when I decided, actually, it would just be easier and I could save a lot of steps if I could go, you know, just... 100% digital. So I played with that on my own for a good couple of months, and then um, I started working like that professionally. And I like it better because I can just use tons of different media all in one painting, um, and that's that's been really fun because I've never been able to get the texture I actually could sort of see in my head using traditional materials. And so, but I can achieve the what I see in my head. I can achieve that easier digitally. That's really interesting because one of the things that I like about your artwork is that it has this really natural texture to it. Like, I was almost wondering if you were, like, using watercolor crayons.
rolling now. Beats from the East with DJ Mr. V proudly repping urban music from Far East Asian communities worldwide. Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. only on CJLO. Yeah. CJLO 1690AM, this is the Onomatopoeia Show where we talk about all graphic arts all the time. And in case you're wondering what you were listening to, that was Bonnie St. Clair with Unigloria. This song was Clap Your Hands and Stamp Your Feet. And uh, before that, you were listening to an interview with John Seven and Jaina Christie. And if you want to see what I'm talking about, you can go to their website, John and Jaina. That's J-A-N-A and John is spelled J-O-H-N and the and is spelled out A-N-D. They, of course, are on Twitter and have lots of Tumblr action and Facebook site pages and all sorts of stuff going on. But um, if you go to their actual website, it's a a really good source to find out all that they've done because they've actually done quite a few children's books, um, illustrations for other people's things. And this whole series about the happy punks, and it really kind of cracks me up and it's totally worth mentioning. First of all, because like I love the fashion and that's when I first got well sort of second got it secondarily got into them I, I rediscovered them is when i went to mocha fest last year and they had these two little books um one was like a little pinup book for the happy punks and you can like cut out the fashions and make little paper dolls with them but i never do that i always keep them in the books because it always looks so nice and then they also had another little book called cat and dog and it was just like these little like one page three or four panel gags about this cat and dog that were friends and they were, it was really silly and lighthearted but sweet and but i especially love the happy punks because not only did i love like the texture of the art style and the colors but i just love that it's sort of making this world that I've been a part of more mainstream, whether it be with their shoes or their leather jackets or their punky hairdos. And so the other thing that's really cool about the Happy Punks is the first, so I got that um, paper doll book. They've done various uh, one shots and bits and pieces. Uh, Like they did a little short story for Occupy Wall Street. Um, They've also done uh, a a web series if you go to their John and Jaina website at johnandjaina.com. And for example, one of the lines, well, one of the little panels, it's, I can't really, they're sort of like Charles Adams panels. Is that the best way to describe them? Because it's like, an image and then like a little statement below. So there's Opal and she's the angry and she's looking at Perry and she's angry because it says Opal was writing out the five rules of anarchy, but Perry set it on fire and called it performance art. Oh, those silly punks. And I just like, so the reason why I'm telling you all about these happy punks is because there's a book that they've done called happy punks, one, two, three. And it's an excellent, excellent book. I had so much fun reading it in the daycare. It was so much. I was so much glee in me to be able to say, oh, those happy punks. And it's a counting book. But the thing that I love the best about it is it, it shows the lifestyle of a punk. And it's like these happy punks, they're getting together. They're jamming out. They're going to do a show. They make a bunch of posters. They post them all over town, hang out with their favorite record store pick up some friends along the way and then they go to their show and they have a really good time dancing and playing and singing and making music so like it's just I really love books that sort of open children's minds to worlds that they would never really experience until they're much older (laughs) and there's nothing wrong with punks and their cool shoes and their awesome hairdos they're just as interesting and nice and kind as anybody else and I just 
you know, especially in the daycare where I'm like such a big proponent of accept everybody for who they are. You should also encourage punks. Um, but anyways, so I wanted to read some of uh, the happy punks to you. But actually, I think what I'm going to do is continue on with the interview because the interview it, we talk a lot about their early time, their early years, and then on the website, I'll post like their later years. And then when we come back, I'll read some pages to you from uh, A Child's Guide to Anarchy, A Rule is Made to be Broken, and also some pages from uh, A Year with Friends. Well, actually, I'll describe A Year with Friends because there's no, there's no words to A Year with Friends. Okay, so CJLO, 1690 AM. Let's go to another track because they've picked all the tracks and then we'll go right into the interview. This track is by They Might Be Giants. It's called Brain Problem Situation on CJLO 1690 AM. Wake up, put on my makeup and pick the rake up and rake my hair. And I think maybe, but I don't know, but I'm starting to feel like I got a brain problem situation on my hands. Situation on the brain and the scraper out there somewhere in the springtime will emerge. And I think maybe, but I don't know. But I'm starting to feel like I got a brain problem situation on my hands. I think maybe, but I don't know. Of the call, it was traced to the paper bag. Yes, the call has been traced to the bag. Stand up and put our hand up, and with our eyes closed, we touch our nose. And the cop tells us, but we don't know, but we're starting to feel like we got a brain problem situation. And that was They Might Be Giants with Brain Problem Situation. And before we go into the interview, I just wanted to read one page from Happy Punks 1, 2, 3, 7 
Seven happy punks go to the record store to drop off flyers. They love music. Desmond loves the specials. Opal loves the Ramones. And everybody likes to dance. Yeah, happy punks. All right, we're going to continue the interview with John Seven and Jana Christie. You can see what I'm talking about if you just go to johnandjana.com. See Jello, 1690 AM. If I could put in that uh, a lot of the people Jana tends to work with don't always know up front that she's digital. And I remember our first book, our first children's book together, they had hired her on the basis of... of well, that was my her, transition. Yeah, yeah, for non-digital work. And I said to the editor, well, Jenna's going to do it all digital. I hope you don't mind. And they were insistent that she had to show them what it was going to be like because they kind of had this vision in their head of what digital looked like. It would be very flat. And, you know, like you just said, Jenna's work doesn't look even remotely digital. No, it doesn't. It's really warm. So my next question is, I was wondering... Was very Vicky the very first thing that you did that was published? Well, I actually mostly I was wondering is if um, Jana did anything on her own, or was it the first time you guys decided to do anything? Was you guys were together and you were collaborating? We we had a couple projects before Vicky. We did a we um we did a children's book years before that. Sold it to an educational company that never published it. Yeah, I don't think. yeah. Paid us for it and. No, I don't like, think they even paid for it. Oh, no, I'm I pretty... Did oh, they? maybe they did. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? We should know a bill. Actually, I, I was, the, the way we got into very Vicky, I had been working on it as a, as a screenplay, actually. But I had started to think that it would make a better comic book. And Jana had actually... This is a very strange entrance into the world of comics. Jana had actually been collaborating on a horror story with, I don't know if you know the writer um, Thomas Nagoski, he does Oh yeah, yeah, he does a lot of stuff with Dark Horse Yeah, 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 yeah. Tom's an old, old friend of ours and um, so he liked Janet's art and wanted to do this horror thing, doing it together. <laughs> I guess like in a Richard Sala kind of way <laughs> <laughs> It was so awful yeah. It was really awful and it got rejected well, we were doing, we were doing, doing it for Steve to say and Steve, and Steve felt really, Steve and Tom are really good friends. We worked on this thing forever. It was, oh, and it was really painful. <laughs> and, and Steve very generously was like, really, well, he was really, really nice about it. He was like, this just, <laughs> you're not going to be, you're not going to be happy with me if I publish this. Because everyone's <laughs> going to see it. <laughs> so, so, I think, yeah, it was basically, I sort of was learning just, how to tell a story sequentially, and that's when you... Did you approach me about Vicky? I think we had, had talked about it, and Tom at the time was doing a comic book with Caliber and said, and he said, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll introduce you to the Caliber people if you want to do the, the Vicky. He knew about it, so... Were you guys dating at this time? We were married, I think. Or, we were just married. Yeah. We've been and, dating since we were, like, 19. Because one of the things that I was wondering, it always seems like a really hard thing to collaborate with your mate, you know, and sometimes how, like, just, you know, innocuous criticisms could be taken hurtfully, or I'm assuming you guys have an excellent working relationship if you've been at it for so long. For the most part, 
Yeah. Yeah. a lot more harsh than I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I reject that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I can, yeah. I, I, it's hard. It is, that can be a really hard thing because you, you love, you love your partner and you, you know, the last thing you want is your partner to have to deal with rejection, so you don't want to be the person delivering it. So that's it's it's all the way you say it, basically. So it starts with John coming to you with an idea. Sometimes, Sometimes. Um, like I, I, for instance, um, say with Happy Punks, that was Janet had drawn punk characters, and then I sort of was very taken by them and wrote the book, and then decided I wanted to do the webcomic kind of to warm up to the, to the characters. So that was, you know, it works that way sometimes. Sometimes Jana will say, I want to do something about this. And it'll be pretty, you know, just like she, it's her stuff. Or like even in Dog and Cat, some of them are pretty much her writing. Some of them are mine. Well, I think most of them are yours. Yeah, but yeah. there's a few in there. The one about pork was yours, and that's my favorite one. <laughs> and then also, like, we're, we're doing a little web project now, just kind of casually, called Little Ugly, and, and that's me, like, old-style writing a script and Jana taking it and interpreting the script. So we, we do all sorts of... All sorts yeah, of it's a lot of back and forth. A, a lot of times you'll run something that's kind of in the beginning stages past me and ask me what I think and is it something that we should do and and then sometimes you know then I'll start drawing it and and I run the characters past you and I want to make sure that it's what you have in your head and and that kind of stuff too so the whole process is extremely collaborative the whole the whole way usually it has to make us both both laugh yeah that's the only real rule both have to kind of laugh. So I was wondering about Very Vicky. You mentioned that it was based on a screenplay, but one of the things that I find is that it comes across really intimate in the sense that it's crammed full of everything you guys seem to like, you know, and it's like, <laughs> it it's like all these like really weird, like, I don't want to say non sequiturs, but you know, all of a sudden, it's a Very Vicky rock and roll dance party. And it, it, like, I was wondering, <laughs> like, re- did you have a specific agenda or an audience when you were putting it out? Kind of our friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Us and our friends. And a lot of, like, the, the, a lot of the characters are based on our friends, and so they, you know. All the uncles are based on yeah. friends, yeah. Um, and it was just all, and I think that's probably where Vicky went horribly wrong, was, was that it was so fueled by our um, obsessions that I think at a certain point, people kind of thought, oh, it's the cocktail comic. Okay, I get this. Okay. And then it'd be about other stuff, like we did the Hillbilly comics and totally mystified people. <laughs> um, yeah, number one rule if you're writing a cocktail culture comic or one of the don't switch to Hillbilly culture in the middle of no, no, midstream. No. That's not Lesson <laughs> learned. Lesson learned. Um, yeah, so, you know, but you, so you, you pretty much packed it. I only thought there was about six issues, but I saw on another website there was nine. There were Those ten, are the hillbillies. There were ten and a uh, little paperback. So there were, let's see, eight issues of Very Vicky Proper, two issues of Calling All Hillbillies, and then the Very Vicky Jr. had one book, which was like a collection of short stories. And a bunch of art from, from artists that like their stuff. From luminaries like Brian Bendis. So I wanted to ask, you're publishing 
your own comic, isn't that right? Yep. From 93 to, I don't, when did the last issue come out? 96. It's, it's kind of a brave time though. Well, I was just going to say, it's kind of a brave time to be self-publishing because at that time I found that most people were with Oni or Fanographics or Slave Labor. I was, at that point, didn't you have children? Um, we started without them. They, they showed up. Because it's just like you're, you're, you're doing this artistic endeavor that totally sucks up tons of money. And at the time, we were, we, were, uh, we were very much under the tutelage of Dave Sim, I have to say. And so it was fairly easy because of that. And we actually broke even. I think, it was, I think we, we left Vicky with debt, but it was really just the initial cost, I think, of the first issue. But yeah. All the yeah. rest of the issues broke even. Broke I think we made a couple bucks. talking plant and a careful goat in a sewer system shaft and I see
And right now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you something new with modern music. Where you can sit back and relax and take some of the wonderful things. We bring you, ladies and gentlemen, let's give them a big hand. Let the rhythm hit them. CJLO 6098M. Check it out every Tuesday night, 8 to 9, for your hour of hip hop. And you're listening to CJLO 1690AM. This is the Onomatopoeia show where we talk about all graphic arts all the time. And what you were just listening to was the books with their song Free Translator. And then before that, you heard the rest of the interview with John Seven and Jana Christie, who are, do amazing kids' books, which we're going to talk about in just a second. But I didn't want to finish, I just want to finish up on the Happy Punks one, two, three, because I, I just, I find them so adorable. I love them so much. And like on their website, the Jenna and J- John and Jana, website it's just great to see all these little extra bits that are not in the books for example um where is it here opal who's the skinhead of them all noriko offers opal sushi but opal thinks that's gross she prefers clamato because she is canadian or another one is um where is it here isn't that nice Mima gave todd her pirate hat now he looks like a dandy highwayman. And I just, I think they're adorable. And I love the colors. And I love the just the style of their skinniness and their excellent fashion sense, whether it be super long lime green boots or, you know, big clumpy Doc Martens with a go-go miniskirt. I love it. I love it all. All right. Now we're going to talk about a bit about their book. A Child's Guide to Anarchy, A Rule is Made to be Broken. Uh, it's a pretty simple book, actually. There's not a lot going on, but I mean, it's just, it's more about the message, right? It's all about the message. The other thing, too, is I find one of the things that really is appealing about The Child's Guide to Anarchy is the main character is a little bit of a tribute, you could say, to Maurice Sendax's Max character from Where the Wild Things Are. And it's it's a a pr- apropos tribute because one of the greatest things about Maurice Sendak is that he was kind of a subversive kids book writer and in fact never really even thought of himself as a children's book writer and illustrator he thought he was doing books for adults that kids might like <laughs> and I know this why because the brand new comics journal has a huge interview with him and a giant bunch of essays on his history of his career and his life so much so that I think I'm probably going to be doing a show pretty soon about Mr. Maurice Sendak it's definitely worth doing I mean where the wild things are is so much fun to read anyways the other thing I wanted to mention too is that um I've totally forgotten. <laughs> uh, I, I, oh, yeah, I know what I wanted to mention. I wanted to mention that John and Jane are actually doing a tour um, to promote A Child's Guide to Anarchy, A Rule is Made to be Broken, as well as Happy Punks 1, 2, 3. And there's, like, they've got a, a ton, a ton of kids' books out right now. Um, there was another one, uh, A Year with Our Friends, and there's there's still more to come. Now, the two that are closest to us are the Mocha Fest, which will be in New York for April 6th and April 7th. And then there's also the TCAF, the Toronto Comic Art Festival in Toronto, which will be May 11th and May 12th. And then if you really can't handle going those long distances, because actually they're going to do quite a few appearances in New York. But the thing is, is they're going to be here, which is pretty cool. They're going to be here for um, June 7th at the uh, Drawn and Quarterly Bookstore to promote all their great books. And so if you have a kid that is a slightly left of center, if you are a parent who loves Yo Gabba Gabba and doesn't think that um, or thinks that a lot of the kids books these days are pretty saccharine and boring, then you should definitely check out John and Jenna's work because it's totally 
totally excellent. Okay, now some of the panels for a rule is made to be broken. First of all, you need to listen to the tiniest voice. You need to go ahead and be stompy sometimes. You need to speak your mind. You need to share and give away free stuff. And if you can, build it. Don't buy it. And make music even if you don't know how. My God, so subversive. But whatever, that's the kind of stuff I'm teaching in my daycare class. So I'm raising an army of subversive anarchist children. Yes. Anyways, you should definitely check out their work. Now we're going to go to another track. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you all about what's coming up for John and Jaina. Because John is also writing like uh, juvenile fiction. And uh, Jaina's got more kids books coming out. Like she's doing a golden book version of The Princess and Pea. So there's like these people, these two, this couple, they're pretty dang prolific. They got a lot up their sleeves. And we're going to talk about it in just a minute. But now we're going to play another track. I want to add that all the music was chosen by um, John and Jaina. And this track is by a group called Katzenjammer, which is very comic book oriented. Uh, it's called A Bar in Amsterdam off of their album Le Pop, See Jello, 1690 AM. <laughs> Hills to the 
And you're listening to CJLO 1690 AM. This is the On Show where we talk about all graphic arts all the time. That was Cats and Jammer with a bar in Amsterdam. Very pepe. And uh, today we're playing an interview with John and Jaina. They do some excellent kids books. We've talked about A Child's Guide to Anarchy, A World a Rule is Made to Break. Um, or, or Yeah, that's it. And uh, we also talked about um, Happy Punks 1, 2, 3. And also I forgot to mention A Year with Friends. It's a silent book that they did that's basically based on seasons but it's broken down by month which i really loved and those are my favorite kind of books one of the reasons why i like where the wild things are because you can actually just make up the dialogue of what's going on and focus on the important stuff and so the yeah year with friends is just a monthly page by page turner about all the things that you can do each month and it's yeah it's really sweet but it's also it allows for a lot of conversation um with your child and as well it's sort of in comic book panels which is kind of nice it's like sort of getting them into the habit of reading in that format early you know uh let's see other things that are coming up they have uh an illustration book jana is doing for disney called never girls it's a series uh as i mentioned earlier there's going to be a golden book version of the princess and the pea that jana will also be illustrating and john is doing a time travel chapter book series called the time tripping faradays which is sort of like the swiss family robinson as they travel through time of a family tale and that's going to be coming out in the fall of 2013 so there's lots going on with those guys and like i said they will be here in the summer so definitely come and check them out i will certainly be promoting it as it gets closer to the time and actually i'll tell you a little secret i'll be reading the books at the event because <laughs> i'm good at that reading kids books anyway cjlo 1690 um what else did i tell you about i told you about the Mori sendak i told you about star wars i told you well a whole bunch of comics came out actually last week and i didn't i hadn't really had a chance to read them i was really disappointed i got the new annual avengers and i i got it because tom coker illustrated it but then when you open the book it's like mike mayhew and mike diodato and all these other people and i was like tom coker did you get lazy and slow again or just other things happened and you had to have other people fill in for you and what else i yeah like i said mostly i've just been focusing on that uh comics journal by maury sendak because it's really excellent interview um it's a very interesting person one of the things i found quite hilarious was that uh i guess in an interview a couple years ago somebody asked him what's the one thing that nobody's ever asked you about and he was just like i'm gay and that was it and so it was like a bit of a shocker to most people but at the same time it was just like oh whatever it's good that he did it now because this is the right time people now don't really care and i just think it it was so funny that it just uh, that interviewer must have been really shocked (laughs) it's like just did not even blurts it out just casually mentions it but it's fun to read because he's a bit of a curmudgeon and it's also kind of sad to read because everybody he loves is dead and unfortunately he passed away last year um but it's he's a he's what's the word i don't want to say he's bitter but he's he's got a really interesting way of looking at the world and now that i'm getting older i'm not having a hard time relating to him <laughs> i i guess curmudgeon really is the best way to describe it um maybe it's just a thing we all get old and we are still start getting a little bit angrier about stuff but anyways he had done like something like 64 books and of course the most famous being where the wild things are but uh, there's other things that he's done he's done set designs he's really a fantastically creative interesting person so get that new comics journal man it's so thick there's tons there's tons of stuff in there i just i you know people i had a whole bunch of people ask me when i got it how long does it take you to read this and i'm like forever not because i'm slow but because i literally read everything bit by bit by bit like over a year or so because i want to savor it and enjoy it and appreciate it for what it really really is the comics journal makes me drool 
Um, anyways, okay, so next week I should mention we're going to be talking to a friend of mine named Joe Kilmartin. He is one of the proprietors at the Comic Book Lounge, which is a comic book store in Toronto. Um, I like Joe because he knows a lot about comics, and I don't really meet a lot of people that know as much about comics as I do. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Milton Caniff because that is something we both really love, uh, writer and illustrator we love very much. And there's that new picture book that has come out, this gorgeous coffee table book that I'm, I know I've talked about a little bit, but I would like to talk about ad nauseum it's so amazing and Milton Caniff is amazing if you don't know what I'm talking about just look up Terry and the Pirates okay um I'd like to tell you where you can get some John and Jaina comics but just go online and you can see a bunch of the happy punk stuff you can order from them directly from their website johnandjaina.com and like I said go to Mocha Fest you really should it's in New York very close and it's totally worth it as well um Let's see, there's also TCAF, which is just in Toronto, which is also totally worth it if you love any kind of graphic art. It's a lot of fun. And then lastly, of course, they'll be here in uh, June. All right, CJLO 1690M. This last track is called uh, Thunderbirds Are Go by a band called Busted. This is also chosen by John and Jaina. And next week, Milton Caniff on the On My P Show. Thunderbirds Are Go. Back 